Hello, welcome to Blades Pod. My name is Ben. It's Saturday, the 11th of May. Last night, Blades Analytic and I uh, went through every single one of Sheffield United's players and gave them a rating for the season that has just gone. Um, so yeah, stay stay tuned for that. At the start of this, we've got a little bit of a tribute to Paul Coots. It was obviously uh, released. His contract ran out um, earlier this week, so he's no longer at Sheffield United, which is pretty sad. And uh, yeah, I wanted to make sure we we paid some lip service to that. Um, and then yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a monster podcast, as you probably noticed if you've downloaded it by now. Um, and yeah, we recorded it last night, so I don't think anything's gone out of date based on on what we said then. Uh, we talked a little bit about the um, the championship playoffs right at the end, but nothing that's dated too much, I don't think. So yeah, anyway, settle in. I hope you managed to listen to uh, <laughs> at least some of this before getting completely bored. Do let us know if you disagree with any of our ratings. I don't think there's anything too controversial in there but obviously you're uh, you may differ on that one so yeah thank you once again for downloading and i hope you enjoy so good evening jay how are you doing i'm very well mate how are you yeah i'm good as well uh i've just had a coffee so that'll that'll power me through this i think outstanding yeah coffee at eight, eight o'clock on a friday night that's that's how we roll um, we're going to rate every single one of Sheffield United's uh, players from the 2018-19 season out of 10. And I'm looking forward to it. I, I can't wait. <laughs> but before we get there, the uh, the club were um, not wasting any time in announcing the, the released and retained list this week and some fairly notable names on it. So the players who've been released at the end of their contracts, Martin Craney, Connor Washington, Daniel Lafferty, Keelan Lavery... And of course, Paul Coots. Um, oh. And yeah, this is uh, it's emotional. It's an emotional moment. Um, so we wanted to, uh, I guess we wanted to just pay a little bit of a tribute to uh, to the great man himself, I suppose, and his um, his United career. I mean, I guess let's let's probably start with the with the cold reality. I think. I mean, uh, I understand this move from a footballing perspective. Um, and I can't say I'm totally surprised by it. Are you? Are you of a similar mind? Yeah, I I think it's no big reveal to say. I think we knew this was coming. Mm. Probably, probably you just had a good inkling because of the way Coots had, had been reintroduced to the team and then taken out of the team when the games got quite important. Yeah. But also the way the the way the celebrations went while they're always pushing him to the front. Yes. It was it was a bit of a giveaway, really, when he's not doing that. He was doing that basically to the lone players and the guys who were going to be going. Um, and, and fair enough for doing it. And I'm glad he had. So Coots had his moment. Yeah, it was it was nice to see him involved in that. And yeah, I mean, one of the sort of key quotes that Wilder said afterwards about about releasing him is Coots uh, wants to play forty plus games uh, a season, and um, he's you know he didn't have the opportunity to do that with us this season in the championship. And uh, yeah, being being realistic, he's not going to have the opportunity to do that next year at all. So um, yeah, as I say, it makes sense. I mean, it's it's just uh, we'll get to the the good parts in a moment. But yeah, it's just kind of just sad, really, that you know it was such a freakish injury. You know, he uh, he was taking a shot, and the guy blocked it. And you know, you can debate uh, the legality of that tackle, I suppose, or how dangerous it was. But, you know, it was, it wasn't like somebody had crunched into a tackle. Coots was just shooting and yeah, unfortunately, yeah, broke his leg, was out for the rest of that season. 
And um, yeah, I didn't I didn't see too much this season that made me think um, he's he's good enough to be starting for us. I mean, the the Barnet FA Cup game was a, a real red flag for me. I think so. That was in January, obviously. Yeah. Probably what maybe two or three months after he'd started playing again, and you know he was he was just getting coasted past by national league players. So yeah, he, he, I never quite felt he was uh, completely there. I mean, presumably he must have been because he was still kind of you know making the bench for these games. I'm sure if he was like completely actually unfit, he wouldn't be on the bench. But yeah, not not a surprise, but a sad moment all the same. I mean, you know he he was here for. I guess some of the dark days of United in recent years and his improvement and uh rise kind of kind of you know is emblematic of what we did under Wilder. I mean, you know, he became this incredible Rolls-Royce midfielder, I suppose. You know, he went from someone who I always thought he looked great on the ball but didn't really do anything and yeah, you know, yeah. And, uh, you know, to an extent, that's because of the players that he was surrounded with in those, I guess, in the first season and a half that he was here. I mean, he always looked classy, but he didn't have mm. good players around him. He didn't really affect the game very much. But, yeah, I would say from probably a couple of months into Wilder's first season, it suddenly became apparent that, like, we had a a real maestro uh, in midfield. And, uh, you know, that carried on right through that season and right into the championship as well. And, yeah, he was just... Uh, just a, a lovely player to watch. I think during that time he was probably my my favourite player to watch out of the whole squad. I think just you know his his balance, his awareness, you know, never gave the ball away kind of thing. His passing was just uh, better than anything we'd seen for a long time. I think so. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I just want to kind of reflect on what what a great player he was for that period. I guess. I mean, do you want to chime in there? Yeah, I, I can't really add much more. He was. Coops was always one of those players that got bought in under Nigel Clough, who, who to be fair to Clough, uh, had a, a quite big sample size of recruitment to judge off. Mm. But actually, some of them were very, very good, quite frankly, um, and uh, some were poor as well. But some were very good, and the very good ones in the end have outweighed the bad ones in a way. Yeah. Um, and yeah, never really quite hit the heights um, under Clough, and then. I mean, I remember games under Adkins where Coops was appearing on the left hand side of midfield, and it was just awful he's not you know he's not a runner Uh, I know he was was a right mid when he first came down from Scotland I believe to Derby or or Preston Um, and and yes you know he was that more I'm I'm not comparing him to but a David Beckham style right mid no pace no dribbling as such it was all about delivery uh, you know crossing Mm. passing Um, but came to us uh, and as you say just never really got going and then all of a sudden under Wilder he found a manager who was we've seen now can get the best out of just about everyone. Yeah. Um, but th- but then we created this system, and and the system was designed to to obviously for the overloads, but it was designed for the personnel in defence. I think we all appreciate that for the Jack O'Connells and to get Basham in a position too eventually. Mm. Um, but Coots just dominated it. Just just at the foot of the base of the midfield, there was no midfielder in League One who could get close to Coots. Yeah. Um, astonishing. And then he struck up this just. Oh, I'm going to say sexy partnership with John Fleck. That is the only way to describe that. <laughs> Just both of them complemented each other better than I've seen many a midfield combination for United. Um, mm. you know, the balance of left and right, the balance of Fleck wanting to drive on and shoot and get forward and Coots just sitting and knitting all the play together. But he was dynamic as well, wasn't he, Cootsie? Mm. You know, he had a yard of pace in his play. And I think that probably the best game 
or one of the best games I've seen Cootsie play was away at Hillsborough actually in the four two famous win. Yeah, I, I, I was going to bring that up as a highlight. Yeah, he was. You know, he didn't really grab the headlines, but he was kind of key to it all. I think. Yeah, I mean, Brooksy obviously, Brooksy probably grabbed the headlines. I know Leon scored two and Duffy had the amazing goal, but Brooksy was probably the main man because of the dribbling and the, the way he just destroyed Wednesday. But Coots was just, in a derby game, to be as composed as that. One thing that Coots always did that was so underrated was his breaking up of play. He was a big, mm. solid figure in the midfield as well. He could put a tackle in. Yeah. Um, you know, and he just dominated that game. Wednesday had no answer, absolutely no answer. And that was when they had their fit midfield, if you will, of Kieran Whitley and Bannon was fitting. None of them could get anywhere near him. He dominated the ball. He dominated off the ball. And yeah, it was such a shame, wasn't it? We'd gone to the top of the league that night away at Burton. And I don't think there was a midfielder in the league who was as good as Coots at that point. I don't. Um, Yeah. It was was a master of a tactical foul as well. I always felt that. Like, you know, made up for that sort of, I wouldn't say a lack of athleticism, but maybe compared to, you know, some of the players he was going up up against. He was the absolute master of like, oh, we're about to get caught on the counter-attack. Down you come. I'll take a yeah. yellow card if I need to, but yeah, that that the uh, the derby win, uh, as in the, the Sheffield derby. I just remember yeah. watching that, and it, yeah, I think that was the the birth of the Coot song. And you know, all right, it's not the most original song in the world. Every blooming club in England sings it, but you know, it was yeah. just like sat there um, setting a ticket. I was just watching it, and, and me and my brother was just like, "What on earth are they singing?" And like, eventually, Rick worked it out sort of halfway through the game, and it. I just that's my one of my abiding memories from that game is is just, you know, one, two, three, four, just ringing out for about 20 minutes at Hillsborough because all the Wednesday fans had gone home, basically. And, yeah, that was a lovely moment. I mean, the other one I want to call out, um, and it was one of his, I guess, one of his last games uh, of that season at Bramall Lane, but um, against Reading at home. So not a, you know, it wasn't like a high leverage game or anything like that or a rivalry game, but he was unreal in that one because I remember the crowd was absolutely humming at everything that he did. He was fantastic. And then... You know, he kind of he scored it exactly. He scored it that game as well, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So everyone was just, you know, absolutely, you know, in raptures at how well he was playing, and then he wanged in that twenty-five yarder, and it was just like, you know, just like lift off, like, oh wow, what what a player, fantastic. But yeah, yeah and there, you know, there was some nice moments this season as well. You know, seeing him, uh, I went Hull. to the, I went to yeah, whole yeah, coming on at home. Uh, I went to the testimonial at uh, Sheffield FC, which was his first return to. Uh, actual football I think it was uh, a testimonial for a Sheffield FC player and you know even even a, a friendly against I think it's I think they're in the eighth tier of English football it was still you know a nice moment seeing him out there I think the opposition was you know under don't don't touch him kind of instructions but it was like oh yeah. there he is and then you know he came on at Blackburn didn't he I think that was his first actual first team appearance was, and the crowd went was- bananas Sorry, I was just going to say, someone actually mentioned that. And I'm, I'm so sorry to them because I forgot who to on Twitter. But obviously, we did our moments of the season. Mm. And, and not that that wasn't important. It's just that obviously, recency bias probably kicked in for us both. Uh, and we looked at games or whatever. But actually, that could quite easily have been up there in moments of the season. Coots' return at Blackburn. Because yeah. that was just... I, I was emotional seeing him come back on. Because he, he, quite frankly, if it wasn't the modern day football uh, and the sports science have nowadays, it was a career ender. It was. Yeah. It was a career ender. Um, and it's brilliant to see him recover. Yeah, definitely. And then, uh, yeah, the, his first um, first appearance back at Bramall Lane was in that uh, f- uh, the game against Hull, as you mentioned. Um, and yeah, it was that kind last, of... That last five minutes against Hull, when there's the video clip of just Coots just pinging the ball around, keeping possession, mm. the final third, and it's just him just dominating. He's just taking it from back to front, midfield. You just thought that was him back, didn't you? You just thought that was that was the Coots of the old days. And Yeah. Yeah. And- 
And to an extent, you know, the team has moved on as well. I think, you know, we'll get to that when we come to the actual player ratings. But yeah, I mean, uh, it's I'm, I'm sad to see him go. I, I completely understand it. And uh, yeah, I guess the only only way to finish this little segment is just uh, just thank you, Paul Coots. You know, uh, I had some of my very favourite United memories, probably, you know, probably the whole time I've been supporting him of have come from him being on the pitch and uh yeah just good luck i hope he i hope he's starting games for a championship club next season uh, i hope i'm you know watching him as a uh, i guess a slightly a slightly interested neutral at the very least in uh in the championship next year 100% echo that we'll always have love for Cootsie. um welcome back anytime always be a blade even if he's in an opposition shirt and i'm sure he will get a championship club um because or, or at the very least league one because he's He's a brilliant player. If he's anywhere near what he once was, he's obviously a great character hmm. and probably the biggest, biggest lightweight this club has ever seen as well in terms of drinking. Him. <laughs> yeah, but frankly, he's one beer and the kid is pissed. So his uh, his appearance in the John Egan song video is uh, is really Amazing. something. Yeah, I have never I've never seen anyone who literally forgets what their hands do, and that was what Paul Coops <laughs> did. And then there's always the John Fleck wants a Corona video. So. <laughs> for everything we have to, you know, for everything in the world that Cootsie gave us, just simply Paul Coots, thank you. Yeah, good memories, and uh, yeah, he's only um, he's only thirty, I believe, so potentially many more years of never giving the ball away still for him to come. So I'll look forward to that one. Um, all right, mate, let us get to player rating. So the way we're going to do this is we're going to rate every player out of ten. Uh, we've just got separate ratings, and then we'll we'll take an average if we differ. Uh, we're going to give a well. Uh, so we're going to pick out the best moment uh, for each player individually. Um, so I was going to call it a champagne moment, which is what they call it in um, uh, Test match special. But I think it should probably be either a Peroni moment or a Moretti moment. Moretti moment. Moretti moment. Better. Like that. Yeah, we're on Moretti now. Uh, and then we're also going to have a yes, no, maybe. Are they good enough for the Premier League? And but by that we mean. Are they good enough to be a member of our squad in the Premier League? I guess, like you know, a, val- a contributing member of the squad in the Premier League, um, not like you know, are they good enough to start for Manchester United? As Daniel James obviously is given the news earlier, but yeah, <laughs> we, we can talk about that another time, maybe. Right, but well, first of all, let's let's just quickly tick off the players who. So we're not going to give a rating to anyone who played less than two hundred minutes, and that is Ryan Leonard, Lee Evans, Ben Woodburn, and Daniel Lafferty. Uh, Lafferty was obviously on that released list Woodburn was on loan, uh, went back mid-season and Evans and Leonard were both sold in the summer transfer window um, any any sort of quick thoughts on any of those players I mean, we talked about we talked about Woodburn a bit on the last pod as like uh, it just didn't work out, so I don't think we really need to repeat ourselves on that one, but yeah, yep. any thoughts on Leonard and Evans or, or indeed Lafferty, played a grand total of 18 minutes as a substitute Um I, I, my only thought really on, on both Evans and Leonard is that at the time, a lot of fans, and I'm not saying they were wrong, but I think it's fair to say a lot of fans were probably questioning the sales. Mm-hmm. I think especially in Leonard's case, not that he'd done anything great, but the fact he was versatile and could fill in at right centre-back as well, yes, um, uh, as well as centre-mid and potentially right wing-back as well. He was just a very versatile player and there was times in the season where Early on in the season, it looked like that might be needed. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he had certain appearances uh, where he was effective. I remember Norwich at home. I think I wrote something about this saying like he was almost yeah. the key to that second half. He came on and you know he just got on the ball. He had some shots. He you know was playing a kind of I think he was playing as a right centre back. You know he was yeah yeah no you were right because they moved Basham into the middle didn't they? That's right. Um, yeah. 
uh, and you wrote something on that and I can remember that and he was quite effective and Evans was uh, again what you know we now look back because we know what we have in Ollie and we'll come on to that but but at the time I think me and you always thought that Lee Evans was a distinctly okay average to good player and I still think he is yeah I think he's um, a perfectly decent championship midfielder yeah, I would completely agree. He's, there's flaws, of course there is. You're not going to get not flaws for three quarters of a million quid. You know, mm. let's remember that he was only three quarters of a million quid. We made a profit. Yeah. Um, you know, and Lee Evans did a fine job as well. So I think that at the time those sales, not no, obviously not bad sales, but those sales at the time were okay. This is interesting to see what we're doing. Mm. And as it turned out, he's clearly been proved right, and, and clearly we're all stupid and wild and knows what he's doing. But I think. Those, <laughs> We shouldn't again. We shouldn't let recency bias come in. I think Lee Evans has been a was a perfectly good player for a long time. Um, I mean, I'll never forget the goals against Middlesbrough. Yeah. I will never ever forget that first that stunning goal. Um, and Ryan Leonard contributed quite well. So I think you know, well done to them both, and uh, wish them best really with their careers. Yeah, uh, Simon Moore was another one who played a single league minute. Played in the yes. FA Cup against Barnet. Um, probably, I guess, probably in the League Cup as well. I have not looked back at that. We only played one game in the League Cup, right, against Hull. Or did we have a, uh, an earlier round? No, I don't think so. I think we just got knocked out, didn't we? Yeah, I think so, on penalties. But, yeah, not not too much to say on Simon Moore, obviously, with those cup games. And we talked about him behind the scenes as well. You had him as one of your unsung heroes of the season. So we'll not repeat that one. So we'll, we'll get to the actual ratings now. So I guess it makes sense to go position by position, right? Yeah, yeah uh, I would say so. All right, well, let us start with Dino, Dean Henderson. So... I am going to go for a 9 out of 10 for Dino. Uh, I was kind of tempted to go 10, but I think you can point to a few times where yeah. uh, it just, you know, it wasn't perfect. Uh, yeah. Obviously, the Aston Villa meltdown, and then I, I would counter that with, you know, his response to that was phenomenal. You know, it was all those clean sheets in a row, and yes, that was uh, helped by an extremely good defence. You know, we had uh, the best defence in the I believe it was the best defence in the league in terms of goals conceded in the end or did did that final game diddle us on that front uh, I think I, I think we I'm sure we did 41 how many Borough get da, 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 da. yeah we level with Borough how disappointing oh god that's, I, I can't believe I only just noticed that that's so disappointing <laughs> that's why Henderson is only getting 9 out of 10 no I'm joking there was you I, know uh, there was like the Stoke Stoke free kick um there's another one that I've missed as well that I thought was a little bit soft, could have done better with. Um, but overall, I mean, 9 out of 10, he was excellent. Let's not, you know, let's not beat about the bush. He was fantastic. He had some real standout moments. He's, I thought his handling generally, you know, everyone sort of says this about young goalkeepers, like, oh, you know, are they, are they any good from crosses? You know, when, when, the, when the pressure's heaped on them, when there's like men in the box and stuff. But look, he's come through a whole championship season. He played every single minute of every game He's come up against teams that that live off loading the ball into the box with big men from corners, from throw-ins, from free kicks. You know, rather a Millwall Bolton. He's come through all of that, and he's had an absolutely fantastic season. So yeah, nine out of ten for me. Same. Uh, not much. Not not much to add. I think he can't be ten because there was errors. That's not criticism. He's a young keeper. In fact, all keepers have errors, um, but especially as a young keeper. And those errors eventually did cost us points at the time, so you probably do remember them quite well. If we would have won those games, maybe we wouldn't have remembered them as well. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I agree. Uh, solid, solid keeper when it comes to coming off his line. Never really dropped a clanger, has he? He's not come out and claimed a cross and dropped one. He is. He's dominated in the air. Pretty pretty decent distribution, apart from the one against Leeds. Yeah. Against Leeds. yeah that's, that's the that. only clanger. <laughs> Yeah, quite possibly, yeah. Um, 
but generally good distribution. And he's just an extremely solid shot stopper. I mean, XG against for the season for him was 44 and he only conceded 41. So he saved two goals, basically, is what that means. Nice. Um, I could put that in better terminology, but in layman's terms, he's overperformed his expected goals against. So he, he's clearly a, a fantastic shot stopper. Um, save percentage is one of the best in the league as well, and considering we, we didn't have much. And also, you can't underplay the, the part he's played in, in the joint best defensive unit in the league. Um, exactly. Not just in terms of his saves, but his communication. Mm-hmm. And I think the confidence that he gives the defence as well as them giving him. Um you know, they're always aware that Dino's behind him. He makes big saves at big times, I, as we've spoke about good claims. So he's he's definitely worth a nine. Yeah, nice one. Uh, do you know he had the same number of assists as Chris Basham? I do, <laughs> I do, I do know that. What a piece. Wigan, yeah. Wigan, Mark, Wigan and Villa and I can't remember. I think it's just a, oh, just a one per who scored. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, what's, your, what's your Moretti moment for Henderson? Uh, oh lord, how many! Um, <laughs> this is difficult. I probably I, I could take it back. I'm gonna have to go for the Wigan, the Wigan away dive. Uh, not That's a stage. Really it's not like a, a performance Moretti award for him. It's just the banter levels he has are extraordinary. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna go for the dive at Wigan away. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, the three-on-one save for Norwich was, was an obvious one, but I, I will shout out one that um, someone else said to me on Twitter, which was his save from uh, Jota of Birmingham at home yes. in the nil-nil draw. Yes. Where we got a bit of a bit of a pasting in the second half, and he made a fantastic save from a one-on-one with his feet. So that would be mine. Uh, good enough for the Premiership? Yes, no, or maybe? Oh, hundred percent. Me too. One hundred percent. Possibly out of all these players, I would probably say he's most likely. Uh, well, that's interesting. We can get to that. I don't know. I just I just made that up. I, might, I, might, I, didn't, really, <laughs> didn't, I didn't really think about that in proper detail. All right, let's uh, let's move on then. So. Uh, we'll do the centre backs next. Let's start with uh, well. Let's start with John Egan, the the man in the middle. Uh, you can go first here. Uh, nine. I've also gone for a nine. Go on. Uh, I was close, to, close to ten. I, I'm not sure ten. I'm not sure, but hmm. just a, a rock, an absolute rock. Quite frankly, I, many of this league's best strikers who fans now want us to sign have been in John Egan's pocket all season. Yeah, um, I can't really, and again, it might be recency bias, but I can't really remember any errors. I like, think I, I, West Brom at home, he was uh, I'm pretty sure he was one. caught out for at least one, if not both, of the goals. And I remember, uh, I remember a few Brentford fans sort of uh, suddenly, yeah, yeah. suddenly piping up on Twitter after that one. Like, I don't think a you know a promotion challenging. I'm pretty sure one of them actually said, "I don't see how Egan can play for a promotion challenging side." It was. It was David Anderson, who's actually a decent bloke on Twitter, who's a good, good knows his stuff, actually, generally. And he, he's, yeah. Brentford fans' opinions of players are warped once they leave, clearly. Um, <laughs> Perhaps. Um, I, I knocked it, to be honest, I knocked him down one just for those misses. <laughs> he should have had, like, at least five goals a season. That's fair. I yeah. Think, I, I think as well, yeah, auspicious start as well, wasn't it? Almost like O'Connell, in a way, That's in League true. One. That's yeah. true, uh, yeah. The, the Swansea at home. Borough did, away. Borough away, didn't think much to him there as well, you know, I mean... Aidan Flint like, sort of, uh, you know, if it was basketball, he basically dunked on him for, for one did. of those goals. He did, yeah. You know, you expect your centre-halves to be big and strong at Borough, and ours certainly weren't that day. Um, so, yeah, p- p- that's probably why it's a nine, just because he wasn't obliteratingly good all season. But as soon as he learned how to play in a three properly... I Remember, we took him out of the team at QPR. We put Stearman back in. 
um, oh. to get that first win of the season, if you remember rightly. Uh, you know, so... Yeah, we did. Jeez, I forgot that. Yeah. Or did he even go to right centre-back and Stephen played in the middle? He might have done. Basham played in midfield. Yes. I'll, so I'll, I'll Egan, look that up while you're talking, Gary. Egan went to... I think Egan went to right centre-back and Stephen was brought in the middle to basically marshal them to basically organise where they need to be positionally because we needed a win and, and we had no time to settle in Egan at that point. So yeah. certainly, you know, had, had a, not struggled, but had a very, very inconsistent start and grew beyond belief as the season went on. And, you know, we all make jokes now about him and Norwood are often the two players who are the only ones anywhere near our half when we have the ball. <laughs> I mean, I was told that he turns like an oil tanker from Brentford fans and I, I don't disagree that he's not fast, but actually he's quite mobile. Yeah. So the West Brom away, there was some brilliant recovery tackles in yeah, that game. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I've not seen anyone run away from him. He's an absolute rock in the air and he's exceptionally good on the floor with the ball at feet. He's yeah. great. Good range of passing. And so, yeah, nine. Yeah, no, that's one. He did play at QPR, by the way. Missed two games, one of which was uh, after the red card. I don't know when, against Millwall, that is. I don't know when the other one was. And scored a single goal. Uh, Moretti moment for me, I think it's Brentford at home. You know, it's part of the Great Wall of Sheffield held them at yeah. bay um, one of our other defenders probably excelled even more in that one but yeah that's the one for me uh, good enough for the premiership yes yeah he is yeah I think, so, I, think he, I, I think there's a, there's a question mark in that yes as in uh, I'm leaning towards yes uh, all defenders are going to have a question mark against them until they play in the Premier League aren't they because the, the quality is so much different in offensive areas mm-hmm. true um, but I, I think so uh, great age in terms of where he's at as a centre-half, experience-wise, grown with the team and his leadership qualities as well. Yeah, he's good enough. Yeah, and I hate myself calling it the Premiership because it's not the Premiership. It hasn't been the Premiership for about 15 years, but anyway. Uh, Right, Jack O'Connell. I will struggle to see how we can't give him 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. Excellent, we agree on everything so far. Um, I mean, I don't know what more to say about him. For, For once, he actually missed some games this season, but... Uh, yeah, it was just phenomenal. Defensively incredible. Uh, Attacking-wise, very, very good. Um, second highest number of assists in the league among centre-backs. And obviously, yep. you know... You know we, yeah, I know, Jake Cooper. Yeah, so that was all from uh, corners for him. Uh, three goals, three assists. You know, every time we're on Sky, the graphics come up. You know, Jack O'Connell for final third passes, crosses among centre-backs. First, 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 first. He's unbelievable. Covers incredible distance. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just it was an almost perfect season from him. And uh, yeah, his value is going to be through the roof now we're in the Premier League, I think. Yeah, nothing to add. He's got better for me defensively as well. He's yeah. actually got better defensively this season. Um, an absolute beast and a rock, not just in the air, on the floor. Nothing gets past him, body on the line. He could quite easily defend in a team that's fodder at the bottom of the league, playing low block all the time. He could quite easily play for Man City bombing forwards. I I think he's outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. Love it. Uh, Moretti moment for me is going to be that Brentford game at home again, I think. I will will raise that and say leads away, um, which is going to also be probably Moretti moment for someone else. But Hmm. I I think defensively he was the man on that day. In that second half, he was a... Astonishingly good. Mm. They came everything down there, right? Where they had Pablo and Tyler Roberts went right and Aileen comes bombing on. And Jack was just in the way of everything. I mean, the only mistake he's made all year was Villa away, as far as yeah. I'm concerned. So, yeah, that was his for me. But Brentford's a fair shout as well. 
Yeah, nice one. Uh, let's do Martin Craney next as another centre-back. So Craney now released. He's older than I thought, actually. Um, yeah. For some reason, I thought he was like 29 or something. Uh, but he turns 33 in September. Um, I've gone for an 8 out of 10 here. Uh, I thought he basically did everything that he needed to do very, very well. He played 15 appearances, uh, 881 minutes. So, you know, close to 10 full games, I guess. Um, and was surprisingly good going forward. It was it was unexpected. Uh, you know, he filled in really well for Chris Basham, I thought. So, yeah, really, really solid 8 out of 10 performance from his fairly limited minutes. I had 8, and I'm surprised you went with 8. I wasn't expecting you to do that. Oh, go on. Why is um, that? Well, I just I, I think you think of Martin Craney, and I'm not saying this is a bad thing, but I just think some people may have gone, oh, you know, because the games he only played, so maybe a seven is the highest he could go. But mm. I agree, I can't. But I don't think he did anything wrong. I thought he was brilliant. I can't. Not only can I not think of anything he did wrong, everything he did was pretty much in big games. Yeah, like astonishingly big games. Leeds away, West Brom away. Yeah, uh, you know, he was a brilliant, brilliant addition. At you know, you'll, you already know it, so I'm, I'm talking to you like you don't, but you do, if you know what I mean. <laughs> but in, in, in baseball, there is a stat called wins above replacement. And this statistic basically looks to value a replacement player to, to show if someone's curve of, of ability is going down that of a replacement player. And, uh, you want to be selling at that point if you haven't already. Um, if you think of a replacement player, they're normally, I don't know, think of a good defender. They're normally like 80% of that defender. Right, so they're not that top twenty percent. Martin Craney's our replacement defender, and he's as good as the ones that are playing. Yeah, that's fair. So, you know, I'm not trying to get all nerdy, bringing wins above replacement in it, but you just think people are trying to model this. People are trying to say what a, what a replacement player is to work out how good their starters should be. Well, if we're basing our replacement player on Martin Craney, Craney then our starters best be bloody good. Yeah, I think I think releasing him uh, suggests we are very much in the market for. A starting caliber right-sided centre back. I can only suggest for those that are questioned it. I think it's fair to ask the question, or you know, other than the we always trust Wilder. I, yeah, I think the debate is good. It's a good, good debate to have. I can only suggest that at his age, and it is an age thing. There's no denying. Mm-hmm. We've been lucky with age curves. There's no denying that we have players who work hard like Billy and Duffers uh, and Leon. But age curve normally affects players more than it has done us. Um, and especially in the Premier League mm. you get the odd example like Glenn Murray but generally 32-33 is the drop off rate and I can only think that Craney at his age wants more games than what you would get you yeah. know we want to we want we want now want to build a three year plan we want to build a three year Premier League plan or a three year go championship go Premier League again plan mm. Martin Craney's not not going to be part of that he's an absolute lunatic behind the scenes he's an absolute genius I hope he goes in the championship because for me all of this class of 2019 are going to go down in folklore. They just are, and he is definitely going to be one of them. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I think a, a championship team is going to get an absolute bargain there. I mean, you know, yeah. we're, talk, we're talking about Coots being released, but, I mean, there, I, there would be, for my money, there should be like 12 or 15 teams straight on the phone to him and his agent. Like As soon as you're back from Vegas, lad, you're training with us. Oh God! It's a championship team. Yeah, I mean, someone I think it was Matt, Matt Coll or, or, or Cobby actually made a great point on Twitter, which was uh, most of these probably will go to the championship, but if they're not, then Paul Warren should be ringing Wilder right now. Mm. Paul Warren should be ringing Wilder at Rotherham and saying, "What? You know, can you put in a word for me?" Because someone like Martin Craney goes to a team in the bottom half of the champ or top half of League One, 
the experience head that he's got, clearly the character he is in terms of being a good lad as well behind the scenes. I mean, you can't put a value on that. Wilder's proven it. You can't put a value on that. These guys knit dressing rooms together and that raises you to levels you never thought possible. So, Yeah. Uh, Moretti moment? Uh, for me, it probably has to be the assist for, free, uh, for Dowell away at West yeah, Brom. I agree. Because I never expected Martin Craney to be that far up the pitch dribbling the ball. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, good enough for the Premier League. I, I put him as a maybe in terms of would I, I be worried if he was part of our squad? Not at all. I, I, let me tell you this. This is the way I phrase it. I, I think if we can get a, a younger, bit more dynamic right centre-half, right, mm. then, yeah, I agree with the fact that we will have binned Craney for want of a better phrase. Is Martin Craney himself good enough for the Premier League? I can probably think of worse defenders Yeah, <laughs> Premier League, if I'm being honest. Um, so, yeah, probably probably is, which is, is really is weird. A, a yes or a maybe? You got the maybe. He's, he's a maybe. He's not a yes, he's yeah. a maybe. Right, we haven't disagreed on anything yet, so <laughs> it'll come. It'll, it'll come. come. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, before we get on to Basham Bauer, let's do let's do Richard Stearman. So uh, this now feels a little bit harsh. I went seven out of ten for uh, Stearman. How about you? Uh, I'm going to be honest. I didn't think this one through because you've said seven, and actually, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm going to go seven. All right. Um, I, I actually knocked him down a little bit for the Barnet FA Cup game. Because um, he was given the runaround in that one quite embarrassingly by uh, yeah Shaquille Coulthurst, who, who looked a decent player, but is still a national league striker. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean he, he was fine. He had pretty limited minutes. You know, he played uh, only four hundred and forty-two minutes, so he only started three games. Um, always, always did what was required of him, you know. Uh, but I guess didn't have the uh, so compared to Craney. If anyone's thinking like, how come you're going Craney and eight? I would just say he didn't have the opportunity to affect a game as much as yeah. Craney did and show what he can do. I suppose, but you know, you can't doubt his professionalism as we talked about on the on the previous pod, uh, and obviously chipped in with the the goal at Borough. Uh, sorry, the goal against Borough at home, which was a, a, a great moment as well. And uh, yeah, that's my Moretti moment for him as well. But yeah, anything uh, anything to add to that? Mm, no, not really. I don't think, to be honest. Mm, fair enough. Uh, good enough for the Premier League. I'm going to say no. maybe. You say no, no, no not for me. No, I, I, no, that's going to sound really harsh. I know, but it's no, right. we're, we're trying to be a little bit objective. <laughs> I, I, I just, I just don't think. So. I think he's been there before, and he wasn't good enough. That's fair. That's what I'm basing this on, and I, I understand different squads, different jobs, different responsibilities, and roles. Um, it's more of a sweeper system for us because he, as a three, it protects you if you don't have the pace, which mm. he doesn't. So maybe we would have gotten better protection, but no, not for me. I, I don't think so. Not at this state of his career. I, I can I can understand and appreciate why we've kept him because he is the centre half, whereas Craney wouldn't play that middle role, mm-hmm. uh, especially behind the scenes and that Premier League experience. I think Wilder's already said that we're, we're probably not going to sign that many Premier League players, if you yeah. will, once we've been there before. So the one that we have we might as well keep right um, uh, you know he's he's had some minutes in the Premier League he's been around that Wolves team that was there so certainly worth keeping him in the dressing room for that Premier League experience yeah nice one uh, alright I think this is the last of the central defenders Chris Basham uh, what are you going for out of 10 9 but it was close yeah I'm, I'm the same actually I can't remember why I've not gone for 10 so I'll let you go first <laughs> 
I think the only reason I can, I can think of, and it's not a particular game, is just the odd times that Bash commits to something and gets caught out. Hmm. Um, there is always, because he's very front foot in how he defends. I mean, he's got he's in the top 10 for interceptions per night in the league. Yes. That tells you the type of defender he is. He isn't a stand-up tackling defender. He wants to. If he can nick the ball first, if he can nick it off you and get on the drive, get on the front foot, dribbling away, powering forwards, which is what he loves to do, that's what he's looking to do, which is fantastic. But sometimes he's almost a bit too aggressive and gets nipped by. Um, Hernandez certainly did him from Norwich a couple of times this season. That's no shame. Hernandez is a very good player. Um, but I can just think of a couple of occasions where he's been nipped by. He's not the greatest aerially in terms of where the headers actually go. Yeah. He might win might win them, but he's got an absolute 20 PS. Um <laughs> It's fair. I think yeah, I know it is. Yeah, I, just, I like the phrase. I, just, I, just, I can't remember a clean header, um, apart from the goal that went in against Preston, which was crazy. Was um, but I, I, I'm literally nitpicking here because I think you have to nitpick for a 10. I'm nitpicking. I, Bash has been incredible. Versatile, moves wherever you want him to go. I mean, let's not forget, again, recency bias. He was absolutely dire in that first half away at Leeds. He almost which, came off after 25 minutes by Wilder's admission. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. Know, absolutely bottled the biggest chance of the game to that point. Um, mm-hmm. And and we're going to get on to his Moretti moment. It's, I think we all know what it's going to be. Um, yeah. You know, uh, uh, I think that sums Chris Basham up, doesn't it? Just that yeah. his whole career was summed up in one microscopic game in terms of didn't <laughs> start very well, stuck with it, drove on. Because he's a trier, he ended up in the game. And then his little bit of thrust and energy and quality proved to be the deciding factor. Yeah. I I, I don't like him in midfield still. And it no. happened a few times this season. I think that might be why I've nudged him down a bit. And, you know, he's a centre-back playing in midfield at this point of his career. So it's maybe yeah. a little bit harsh to blame him for that. And he, he, he did a job there. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's not really his best position, is it? I mean, um, his final tally for the season, uh, 39 starts, scored four goals, uh, most chances created per 90 among all centre-backs in the league and it's, it's almost double the next highest as well it is, yeah. and you mentioned the interceptions fourth highest for successful tackles as well so you know some of the some of the chance creation numbers obviously influenced by by playing in midfield a little bit same with the goals I guess as well though I think only one I think only the Leeds goal came from midfield the, the other ones were bombing on as a centre-back but yeah 9 out of 10 a, a great season from him uh, Moretti moment as you say it has to be the uh, 20 yard Basham with a 20 yard screamer to win it at Elland Road slide tackling the ball into the net and uh, yeah one of the moments of the season full stop really yeah 100% and I, if, if he wouldn't have had that Leeds moment then my other one would have been Derby as well Derby yeah. away um, I know we ended up lost, losing that game so it loses the effect of it but Again, summed up Bash and summed up Sheffield United. The fact that our left wing, our left centre back, was bombing forward to our centre midfielder who dribbled around four players in the box to square it to our right centre back who was on the penalty spot. It wasn't just, even that; it was inside the six-yard box. Points, yeah, yeah, he was actually. Yeah, he was basically on the goal line. I, yeah, I yeah. So, and and Rotherham away, like you rightly said on on the pod earlier on in the week. You know, we scored an equaliser at Rotherham away, which was our right wing back was on the goal line, about to have the miss of his life. But our, it was okay because our right centre back was right behind him on the goal line, which yeah. is just uh, from open play, which is astonishing. <laughs> and, and we have to be fair; we couldn't do what we do without Chris Basham. That no. is that, that is the hardest position for me to even try and replace, and we have tried. Yeah, we, well, that's why uh, good enough for Premier League. I've gone with a yes because I, I think he, I imagine he'll be our starter for even if we bring in another player to play that position. I would have thought I, at least at the start of the season we'll be rolling with what we know. I think his is a maybe for me. Mm-hmm. 
wow, I'm going to sound like a right. I'm sorry. No, no, you're you're uh, you're an analyst. I am a mere fan who uh, spends too much time on the internet. No, I, well, <laughs> that could be said of me. Um, <laughs> that sounds really bad. Um, I, I think there is a question mark over Bash defensively. Yes. Um, I think that's out fair. of out of our three defenders, yes. Yes. Um, and I think that when you think about going to the Premier League, as much as we want to be front foot, as much as we want to be playing our, our style and system, I think Bashford probably will start a lot of games and deservedly so. I, I think he won't let us down, mm. as in with, with effort or desire or even for lack of skill at times. But if I am an opposition manager in the Premier League, I am probably targeting Chris, the space Chris Passon vacates. Mm. And at times he's going to have to be a bit more cleverer than what he is currently. That sounds so harsh. But I think that's fair as well. That's what we're here to do. We're here to be uh, harsh, objective, and uh, yeah, give out some some proper ratings. Um, right, uh, let's let's uh, try and speed these up a little bit because I'm conscious of time. Um, say again, sorry, Georgie Boy Bulldog. Uh, well, let's just tick off Stevens first because uh, we, we've talked about him at length on the previous pod, so I don't think there's too much need to repeat. Uh, I, I'm assuming we're both going for ten out of ten here. I know yeah. I certainly am. Yep. 10 out of 10. 10, out of 10. We've both discussed his stats. He got player of the season, so I'm, yeah, just leave it 10 out of 10. Out yeah. of 10. If, you, if you want to hear us uh, talk about Ender Stevens for about 15 minutes, listen to the um, Se- Season Awards podcast that came out earlier this week. But yeah, he played all but one game, uh, clocked up over 4,000 minutes. He was the only outfielder in the entire squad to break the 4,000 minute mark, which is very impressive. Four goals, all of which came in the last sort of six weeks of the season, six assists as well. Yeah, just just brilliant, uh, fantastic. Can't really say much more. What would you have as this Moretti moment? Ooh, Ender's Moretti moment. Oh, that's a good one. Hmm. This was really good times for Stevens, isn't it? Oh, yes. um, oh, I would have to go with the Forest goal. Yeah, I have as well. I've gone for the Forest goal. It's hard to not pick a goal for this, isn't it, really? But I would yeah. have to go with the Forest goal because of what that meant in terms of settling all those nerves. Even The run first... and the first-time finish, is, it was just really, really good. Yeah, definitely. But there was there was many another good moment. I mean, the, you know, talk about the assists as well. You know, that, that Wigan game, that part of, he was part of that move where Norwood does the backspin side foot pass, mm-hmm. you know, outside the boot and... Then there just is this pass that everyone forgets, which is a little delicate lift over into Billy, which is absolutely class as well. And then we talked about the pass to Sharp as well. And the, the Blackburn goal. game. Blackburn, yeah, which is yeah. just astonishing. So, yeah, I'd have to go for that, but quite a few good moments for Endo, unsurprisingly. Definitely. Good enough for the Premier League? Yeah, 100%. Yep. Yeah. Same, same here. Right, Georgie boy, uh, go for it. Seven, and I think I'm being nice. Do you know, we... Is this the first one we disagree on? I think it is, isn't it? Yeah, I went with an eight, so that is very interesting. Um, go on. I, I think I'll get stick for a lot of what I'm about to say on this pod. Um, <laughs> Baldock has been ex- excellent. I don't think I, by giving him a seven, I'm not saying he's excellent. Um, I, I still question the output, mm-hmm. quite frankly. Um, it's not enough in our system. It's just not. I, I, I love what he does. He's an absolute loon up and down that right. He'll run all day long. Uh, like I said, you know, at Norwich away, you couldn't see that any better. Nor- Norwich are, are famous this year for running teams into the ground, not by pressing, but by playing. That's why they scored so many late goals, because they just pass, pass, play, 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 full of pace, full of vertical passing, and you just get worn out. And you lose concentration. And Baldock and Stevens were massive in that game because they just stuck to it. 
just absolutely. Hernandez just nipped, had to go drifting around the pitch because Baldock, had, by the second half, he was in complete control of him. Um, and there's times where George Baldock's pace and his energy is just, without it, we wouldn't have been where we were. Mm. Uh, he's defensively solid in one-on-one duels, you know, not many times he gets dribbled past. I think he's, he's very good in the league for the dribble past stats. Yeah. But I just don't think he does enough as a right wing back. I think if Ender's doing that on the left, George should be doing it on the right. Um, this is now two seasons of big contrast between them. I know Stevens, he didn't he didn't actually register many goals and assists last season, but the the underlying numbers were there. He should have, you know, people missed chances that he created. And yeah, you're right. We played uh, 2,200 minutes, one goal, two assists in that time, George Baldock that is. And it's not, not great, I suppose. Maybe I've been slightly generous. I, I just felt defensively he was very good this season. I think he had a bit of a mare in the very first game against Swansea. I seem to remember... Well, it was Montero when it was a proper live wire winger. But I felt through the rest of the season, I, I don't ever remember feeling like he was caught out or, you know, like you say, he doesn't get dribbled past very often. He doesn't make mistakes. Fairly tidy with the ball, I think. So That's that's what I will say. He's massively improved his ability on the ball this year in terms of that, that combinations and build-up play. Hmm. Um, he, he's, he's really improved that. A little bit of headless chicken in the previous season in terms of, He'd mm-hmm. go for a run when he should pass. Um, he'd, he'd pass or cross when he should, should hold on to it. And his decision-making has massively improved. So I will... He's he's definitely improving. Yeah. I would say that. I just question the output. I really do. I would not be surprised if we went and got a right wing back. Yeah, that, it feels like we might well do. He's only 26, so he's around the age when Stevens signed. And, you know, we see players improve under Wilder. But, yeah, we'll he's, see, I guess. He, he's definitely... So to answer the next question, yes, he's good enough for the Premier League in terms of, yes, the question mark. Yes, he's good enough in terms of you, you'd give him the chance. His mm-hmm. dynamism and his athleticism and his defensive ability are definitely good enough. Yeah. If that's what we want from our right wing back next year, I don't know because I don't know what the plans are for the system. But if that's what we want, we won't buy much better than what Baldock is because we won't spend that much money. Yeah. Um, however, there is no denying that he's not good enough going forward for the Premier League for us. Yeah, I had him as a maybe for the Premier League, just, as you say, just on that athleticism. Like, I'm sure he'd be able to do a perfectly fine job. But yeah, can he can he take that next step that Stevens has done this season? I guess we'll see. Um, my best moment for him, I know he scored a goal, but I think the assist for Stevens at Hull, you know, he doesn't get many assists. That was wing back to wing back. It was just a, a lovely moment. You know, in uh, in well, yeah. they're, all, they're all big games at that stage of the season, but a very big game. So, yeah, that that was my favourite moment I, from him this year. I would, if we're just talking about the moment and not what happened after, I would go for the first game of the season. Actually, his goal mm. um, because we we discussed it all summer. We'd wrote a big piece on Baldock versus Freeman. We'd we'd pick Baldock eventually. Oh, sorry, we'd pick Freeman um, just for the attacking output to start the season, and then Baldock starts and he ends up popping in channels and places where you never expected him to. He spoke about this unstructured chaos that Wilder wanted to do um, and then a beautiful side foot finish and you're thinking, oh, Lord, what has George Baldock been working on in the summer? Hmm. Uh, yeah, all right. After that, it did go a bit pear-shaped uh, down inside. But in terms of moment, first day of the season in the sun, go 1-0 up, George Baldock, that was good. That was a good day. It was a very good finish as well. Um, all right, moving on. You just mentioned him there. Kieran Freeman. Uh, I've gone for a 7 out of 10. Um his attacking output is very, very good. I mean, he played, uh, what did he play, 500 minutes less than Baldock, but got two assists to one, and f- sorry, excuse me, four assists to two and two goals to one. So we've always known this about Freeman. He's he's 
a really key cog in the final third. His final third passes, I believe, are among the highest uh, in the team, I think, or in terms of completion percentage or something like that. Is that right? Am I just talking absolute nonsense? Keep talking. <laughs> Keep talking. <laughs> keep digging this hole. He's, he's very good going forward, uh, and his attacking output is also very good. Defensively and fitness-wise, I think big question marks. Um, yeah, even, even at the championship level. Um, so, yeah, I think, he, I think he did fine. You know, he contributed well when he was, uh, when he was playing. He started 20 games. Um, but, yeah, I would only go 7 out of 10, I think. And, again, that, that Barnet Cup game, ugh. I don't know what happened there, but he looked like he'd been out on the town the night before. I mean, he just... Have you seen that clip of Luke Shaw this week um, against Huddersfield where he's just sort of jogging around? I mean, it was like 90 minutes of that, really. So, yeah, 7 out of 10 for me. Uh, I went 6. I went 6. Yeah. I feel bad again. That makes sense if you've gone... You went one higher than me for Bulldog, so... Basically, yes, I've tried to be uniform between the two. So I think that Bulldog's been better than Freeman. Yeah. So if I don't think George, if I don't think George is an eight, I can't think Freeman's a seven. Is was my thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, that that sounds boring and clinical, I know, but that's, that's <laughs> no, it makes, makes perfect sense. If you didn't know and been listening for two years, that's me. Um, <laughs> I, I I agree that Freeman is is the better in the final third, but I'm not sure I was. So he's obviously better attackively because he's better in the final third in terms of what he produces, but. He's not that good at getting to the final third. Yeah. Um, and when we play Freeman, if we play a side that's as good as us in terms of transitioning the ball, he's nowhere near, he's liable. You know, he's, he's a liability compared to George. I think Freeman's got had a role really where he's probably better against lower bottom half teams where we're already in the final third. Mm. We're already dominating the play. So you can just have Freeman as that, that extra right winger almost. Yeah. Um, Interesting one, just to flip back to Bulldog, actually. So I use Scout. I think a lot of people do these days when they do analysing stuff. Scout has a wonderful statistic, which is basically it counts the passes before an assist. Oh, yeah. Um, so they have the assist, the second assist, which is the pass before a pass for a goal, and the third assist, which unbelievably is the pass before a pass before a pass for a goal. Um, I know that sounds ultimately extremely anal, but... It is actually a good recording mechanism because what it tells you, it tells you who's been quite involved in the build-up to your goals. Um, who do you think is number one for Sheffield United in that statistic? So that's the third, third assist. Third assist. So naturally, uh, it's the player who plays further back slightly. Yeah, well, uh, I'm presuming it's going to be one of these right wing backs. But my first, if you just ask me out of nowhere, I'll probably say John Fleck. Uh huh. It's it's George Baldock. Right. Okay. Yeah, it was interesting. That made me go, oh, okay. Um, so he's, he's heavily involved in successful build-ups, basically. Yeah, which I think makes perfect sense. It's not specifically the Bulldogs doing anything within that build-up, but a lot of play comes through his side. He's involved in a lot of play that leads to goals, which I think makes sense because he's, his movement, his dynamism, and his dribbling will get mm. him into good areas where he can then play a pass. Link up with Duffy <laughs> and Norwood yeah, and Sharp, exactly. etc. Yeah. So I, I think the argument of Bulldog Freeman has been solved. It's Bulldog. Mm-hmm. I don't to, to just to finish Freeman, I don't think Freeman is good enough for the Premier League, no. No, I don't either. Uh, his best moment, I'm going to go for the uh, insta-goal versus Reading after about 20 seconds or whatever it was. Yeah, I'm going to go for the goal away at Bolton because it's the worst <laughs> goal I've ever seen on a football pitch. <laughs> it does, uh, that, that wonderful sort of seven-minute montage that United put on their, their social this week, it does stand out like a sore thumb a little bit. <laughs> it's, just I, like, how- it's like a glitch. 
Guys, how bad is our goal montage in terms of like the the actual goal scored? Like, they're wonderful to us, but yeah. when you compare, you know, some tap of the in. other, I'm, tap I'm in. Say, yeah, header in the six yard box, tap in, scruffy header, tap in. And there's nothing <laughs> wrong with them. This is this is what XG teaches you. It's That's amazing. how you win games of football. Correct. You know, I'm, I'm not criticising it, but just compare it to some other ones flying in from 40 yards, and ours is just sharp heading it into an empty net. Just, yeah, thumbs, indeed. Thumbs. All right, yeah. nice one. Mo- moving into midfield then. Uh, so uh, let's just quickly quickly give Coots um, a rating. Uh, I- I've just gone for a 6 out of 10. I-, I don't think he was... He only played 301 minutes. He-, he didn't have... You know, he didn't really have any effect on a game apart from, you know, just seeing the game out of a hole. So I-, I don't think you can really skew too far either way on that one. Uh, I-, I refuse to give Paul Coots anything below a 7 because he's Paul Coots. That's that is very fair. Uh, n- not good enough for the Premier League. I think we, you know, yeah, yeah. Pretty, pretty evidenced. Um, and I, I would have his Moretti moment as coming on at Blackburn and the reception that he got from the fans yes. that we talked about there as well. Um, you, I've been very greedy here. Actually, do you want do you want to uh, take the lead on on our midfielders? Where would you like to go first? I'm, I'm trying. I'm conscious of time, so I'm trying. I'm trying to rush them up. Um, let's think. Let's do some ones in the background, so we we'll obviously discuss main players a little bit more at length. So John Lundstrom. I'll I'll go for the I'll go for the controversial one. Uh, I like John Lundstrom. Um, I, I don't. Oh, what am I going to go for? I'll have to go for a six. Yeah, I did as well. Because I don't think I can warrant giving him a seven for the reasons that I've dropped Freeman down. Lundstrom does have his obvious flaws, but I've got to admit I really still like him. I think there's a player in there. I think he can grow. Uh, he adds things that we don't have in the midfields uh, in terms of the two-footed passing range that a bit of snap and physicality in the tackle as well Fleck has that but Lundstrom has the frame for it um, yeah. I still think he could be a player who bombs on from midfield and scores goals if he actually just practices to shoot it um, <laughs> because he, he sounds stupid but he's actually he's good he gets in good areas he just doesn't finish I look think he was the highest scoring midfielder the previous season, wasn't he? He was, yeah. Look, look at Stoke. Stoke was, a, again, a micro-criticism of, of him as a player. Hmm. Wins the ball, turns it over, bombs on, he's in, shoot, score, and he looks for an extra pass. Yeah. It's, just, it's a confidence issue, I'm sure it is. I think John Lundstrom is a confidence player. I've heard this from a good friend who's an Oxford fan who said he was streaky at Oxford, but when he was good, my God, was he good, and that was when he was confident. Yeah. I'm not comparing Oxford to the Premier League, but I like Lundstrom. I'd go six. Is he Premier League? No. Would I keep him? Yes. Interesting, because this is this is one where I have a no, but kind of. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. Exactly the same. Occasionally, you know, it's a squad game. We're going to need a fifth, sixth choice central midfielder to come on and yes. run round for 10 minutes and put some tackles in and cover defensively. Like So, yeah, I'm the same. Good, good um, age. Good age as well. Good age. If we come back down and John Lundstrom gets another year in this squad experience... He'll be a, uh, growing into a leadership type character. You'd hope. Yeah. I hope we don't leave him behind. I hope he coaches up and you know ups his levels too. But if we come back down, Lundstrom will probably be a key player. Yeah. I, I, that's people are going to be shouting, listening to this, saying you're, you're wrong, Jay. But I think that's why he's still here. We we might well go out on loan if we sign enough midfielders. He might well go out on loan to get some minutes. Don't get me wrong, but mm. I think he's pretty valuable to have around the building. Yeah, I'd say so. Uh, Moretti moment. I mean, it's got to be. Uh, it's got to be the well, Grealish, hasn't it? Yeah, we can. Uh, nothing more to add on that one. All right, uh, <laughs> we're going to speed these up. Uh, Marvin Johnson. Uh, I've gone for a three out of ten. Um, I thought he did quite well against West Brom in that away game and in a couple of other games, but some very high-profile cock-ups. 
never looked a serious alternative at left wing back and uh, yeah we ended up with Kieran Dahl there and him not even in the team so I'm struggling to go higher than three out of ten I think uh, there's probably arguments to go lower but I actually went with three as well just because of that West Brom win where he was yeah. good in that game um, so that probably I'm not saying that negates anything bad but that bumps up some of the bad if he didn't have that game I'm not even sure he would have registered. It would probably be a one or a two, definitely. Um, yeah, and I had his. I, I struggled for a Moretti moment. I just went with keeping a clean sheet at West Brom. You know, that was a good. They have good wingers. You know, they had uh, what's his face, Matt Phillips, didn't they? And he, he did yeah, a decent yeah. job. You know, covering for uh, Ender, who was obviously playing at left centre back. So yeah, that was that was a decent moment. Is he good enough for the Premier League? Uh, no. I'm afraid he's very much not, and he's possibly not even good enough for the Championship, to be honest. No. Yeah, he's 28 as well. Wow. So, yeah, he's probably going to have a drop down the leagues, I would imagine. Right. Uh, go on, pick us another midfielder to discuss, and we will try and be quick. Uh, Kieran Dahl. Yep. Uh, I went with a seven. I did too. Go on. So, did nothing wrong. Uh, wasn't as, for me, building him up, wasn't... I mean, to be fair, the minutes and opportunity-wise, halfway through a season, I guess expectations have to be tempered, don't they, for January signings, because... They come into a team that they've never trained with before and they're expected to turn it on from the start. So that's difficult. Um, But I thought he just didn't do anything wrong. I didn't expect that level of versatility either in terms of going and playing left wing back. I didn't expect that level of work rate. I didn't expect him to buy into the squad ethic as much as he did. He was fantastic. I know having Dino there helped because they're best mates from England under-21s. But it it just, I love how he brought in. I love how we have the Kieran Dahl song. He's added some, added some goals towards the end. When you, when you look at his goal tally now, he's actually notched a few. There was the, the goal away at West Brom, which brought us that massive three points because everyone thought we'd lost that game. You know, yeah. everyone before that game, I remember speaking to you and trying to tell you that West Brom weren't that good. Um, but not many people thought we were going to win that game. Or, you mm. know, maybe well, clearly, they're still one of the best uh, four or five yes. teams in the league. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And he played a massive part in that game. Uh, he was good as well for the first 70 minutes away at Villa he was very good in fact yeah. um, and obviously notched some good assists as well so I, I, uh, seven I, I probably could have gone higher but I, I do think there was probably sometimes he went missing a little bit yeah uh, I think I think seven's entirely fair I, I kind of wanted more from him but at the same time I wasn't unhappy with what he did and as you say there's some real real highlights there but he never I think I wanted him and as you say maybe this is a bit unfair but I wanted to feel like he was a serious alternative for Mark Duffy and yeah. and you know as we got to the business end of the season it was super apparent that our best team had Duffy in it and not Dal but he was a good a good change up for um away games particularly and yeah as you say the two goals uh for me the the winner at West Brom has to be his uh, champagne moment I think his Moretti moment um uh, quickly in a couple of sentences good enough for the Premier League I've gone for maybe obviously he's not our player anymore no I think maybe I'd be interested to see if we go for him actually if some things don't work out in the summer that are probably going on right now I, I would be interested if we go back there I would imagine Everton are going to blow some cash mm. uh, and Kieran Dowell isn't young in terms of a young player anymore if you see what I mean he, he's 21 so he is young but uh, how young is young before Everton start to think he's not going to make the grade here, let's get some money for him. Mm. Um, and I'd be interested if that did happen, how much he went for, because if he goes for anywhere between three to four, five million, I'd be very interested. Oh my God. Yeah, do you, do you think so? I, th- I was thinking like 10 or 12 at least, just on the England 21 factor. I do, yeah, but I don't see him going for 10 or 12 because I don't, you, you have a real problem with Kieran Dowell of where do you play him? True. Where, where, do you, where, where do most Premier League teams play Kieran Dowell? Because most Premier League teams don't have the number 10 role like we do, which is quite mm. free. It's very disciplined in terms of how you have to play it, but it's quite a free role 
responsibility wise, you just press generally and set the tone. Yeah. Um, most Premier League teams play different formations now, four three three, and and, and Dal can't play in that. So, you know, I know the England under twenty ones tried him at number six, like the base of the midfield, but he, he cannot play there for me. He cannot play there. He doesn't mm. have defensive. He doesn't have the stature or the defensive nous to do that. Um, and he does give the ball away quite a bit as well. Yeah. So you'd have to be very careful from deep. I, I'd, I'd be interested, actually. I'd be really interested to see if we went there. He's a great age. And just, just because he knows the squad as well and the system. With a pre-season under Wilder, he, he, he could be good. Really good. Yeah, I'll tell you what. If we get him for three or four million, I'll, I'll take that all day. I'm not, I'm not saying, I don't know anything. I'm not saying that. No, 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 of course. And, and certainly some people might be laughing at that. I just think at some point these players who are at top teams who aren't clearly going to play for that. Kieran Dowell is probably not going to play for Everton. No. I might be wrong because I know they kept him, Marco Silva kept him and then let him go out on loan. But Everton have had a decent end to their season. They're only going to add to their squad. They're, they're going to reinvest, aren't they? This summer, yeah, they're, yeah. Go, they're going for top six and they've already got about five number tens anyway. <laughs> well, they, are, they have. I mean, it's, so where does Kieran Dowell really get in that Everton side? He doesn't. So no. why, why keep him and let his contract run down? If we come in with five million quid, I think they sell him. I think they sell him probably at that. Or maybe even another loan, maybe. I, d- I don't know. But, you know, another look at him in the Premier League, perhaps. But yeah, I'd be yeah. interested in getting Dal back. I actually would. In it, for a pre-season, yeah, I would. Nice. Cool. All right. Ollie Norwood. Uh, I've gone 10 out of 10. 10. Um, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. Yeah. Uh, amazing passing. I think he, he really revolutionised our team, I think, after those first few games. Defensive work's brilliant. You know, we talked about it in the last pod as well. Played the second half of the season with a hernia, as we know now. I mean, I'd say the only downside is he only scored three goals. His shooting was was pretty pretty bobber, to be honest. His shooting from open play is woeful compared to how well he strikes a ball. Completely agree. Uh, he had the most chances created on our entire team and indeed pretty much out of all players in the league. Uh, a lot of that down to his excellent set-piece delivery, which was really, really good. I mean, if you... You know, you're talking secondary assists. I mean, he's got eight assists for the season, but there'll be a lot more where he's we've scored goals from his set pieces where it's been flicked on and uh, headed in that way. Um, yeah, uh, I was going to say something. Oh, yeah, um, somebody earlier actually on Twitter was like, how does Norwood compare to Coote, uh in seventeen eighteen? And I went and had a quick look. I didn't actually note this down, but basically Norwood, any stat you care to look at, Norwood versus Coots, Norwood is better, yeah. You know, uh, you, go on. Sorry, you do that for Norwood against anyone in the league as a centre mid. Norwood comes out on top, even against himself last season for Fulham. I yes. noticed is a big step up this season. So yeah, ten out of tens all round. Uh, good enough for the Premier League. Definite yes from me. Uh, yes, my only question mark with Ollie is, I think the lack of his mobility in terms of pace. Mm-hmm. I know he's got a great brain. I know he knows where to be. Uh, and he's also a good tactical fowler. But mm. I, I, that might show a bit more next season. There's a lot. The Premier League has changed in recent years. And now there's a lot of centre mids who like to burst from deep. You think you're Moose Sissoko type players. Um, there's quite a few of them around. And yeah, he's physically, not that. No, he's not. And physically, I just wonder if that might be the only negative. And, I, and that's me assuming, or guessing, sorry, rather than fact. But. Mm. Yeah, I, on the ball, he'll be, he's easily good enough for a top 10 Premier League on, on the ball. Uh, let's not get this misunderstood. There is not many people in the world, I say in the world, not many people in that Premier League who can pass like Ollie Norwood can. The no. way, he, the, the, the range, the way he moves his feet around the ball, he's, he's astonishing. We would not have got promoted without Norwood. We no. would definitely not have got promoted. He completely changed our season when he came in. We, we were doing well at that point. He, he completely changed it because... He opens up the whole pitch and balances everything. 
Absolutely. Uh, Moretti moment for me was his stunning goal at uh, Brentford. Brentford. Yeah, which had Connor Washington holding his head in disbelief, which is a lovely moment. Um, are, are you going with that as well? I am, but there is also the pass against Wednesday because although yeah. we win that game, I've never, I mean, obviously we saw it later on the season with McGoldrick, but in terms of from that area to where it went to, the number of players it went through, I've never seen a pass like that live. Yeah. I didn't think that was, I didn't think technique-wise that could be done. (laughs) Physically possible, yeah. Uh, All right, next, who do you want to go for? John Fleck. Right, I'm I'm very interested to know what you go for. I think we're going to differ here. Go on. Eight. Ah, That's what I went for as well. I'm going to stop saying that. So every time I say John Fleck to a Sheffield United fan, I I get the impression most would mark him at like a six. (sighs) I I get that impression because a lot of people think he's had an average season. Mm. I disagree. I, don't, I also disagree. I just don't think he's been great. But yeah, go on. I don't think he's been great because Norwood shone so much and everything went for Wally. Mm-hmm. But Flex ended up with the most assists in the team. Yep, 10. He's ended up with basically a lot of... If, if they've got the same chances created from open play if you take a decimal point, you know, 1.3, 1.4. So... In reality, in terms of, so I, I do a statistic when I do my analysis called scoring contribution, which is the sum of those assists that we talk about, the, the assist, the second assist and the third assist. Um, and, and John Fleck is one of the highest in the league for that. Hmm. So if you sum up, you know, assist per 90, second assist per 90, and third assist per 90, look at basically who was involved in the, the three passes that led up to goals most often. I think John Fleck's in the top three in the league. Yeah. You know, People don't see this, but when you think of the passes, when you think of those balls inside a fullback to a wingback to then cross for someone, or Jack O'Connell or, or Bash to cross to someone, when you think of the driving run away at Stoke that sets up Dow, or, or, or the assist against Derby on boxing, Flex done some integral things, some real integral things. And I think the only reason we think he's probably not had that good of a season is A, because of Norwood, but then also B, because he's just sometimes in big moments he's not been there. Um, yeah, but I I can't mark him lower than an eight because his numbers are fantastic. They are. I'm just trying to see how many uh, how many players cracked double figures for assists this season. Do you want to have a guess while I look it up? Uh, I'm In the gonna, championship, I'll go with about eight. Mm, slightly more than eight, but not many more. It's ten, exactly ten. There you go. So, yeah, that's a pretty good achievement. You know, there's some good names on there. Ben Rama, Buendia, Grzycki of all, Pablo Hernandez, and the, and Barry Banana. Wingers, they're, wing, they're wingers, apart from Barry Bannon, who, yeah, was a Sheffield United podcast. We can be unbiased when it comes to data. Barry Bannon has been exceptional, just not very good against us, um, mm. but exceptional over the season. Him and Fleck, they're, they're, I mean, they're not deep centre mids, but they're centre mids. The other guys on that are wingers and number 10s. Yeah. Just, no reaction to Barry Banana. I'm disappointed. <laughs> I've heard you say. It. I've heard you say. It before. <laughs> Fair enough. I probably say it every every time I bring him up, which isn't too often to fair. Um, yeah, I thought it was a it was, it was a good season. It was an eight out of ten season. Uh, give me more than two goals out of forty five games, though, please, John. I need, it is. I need, I need more from you than that. Yeah, it is an issue. No, no denying it. Yeah, set pieces very good in the second half of the season. A lot of those. A lot of those corners and free kicks were, uh, were from his boot that we ended up scoring from. Um, best moment? John Fleck's best moment. I am going for the diving header assist versus Derby. 
Yes, that's a good one. That's a very good one. I was trying to think, actually. I was like, that's actually a really good one. I would probably have to go for that just to stop the, the pause on the podcast. Yeah, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll go for that one. But I do like it when he goes on amazing run. I, yeah. I still love a John Fleck drop on his shoulder and he's gone. Well, the other one is the dribble also against Derby away where he, he as that, you say, beat three or four players. Set up there, was, there was that. And then again, it's recency bias. I know when it didn't actually impact the season as such because it was already done. But the setup for Dowell away at Stoke was fantastic. That was um, really, really good, yeah. So good. Uh, he's so good in that area. And, and Derby as well. He had a little mazy at Derby as well when he joined up in the box, didn't he? And settled mm. uh, Leon. Was it Leon? Was Leon? We got uh, the third against Derby, right? Uh, that was a free kick. I think. Oh, you're thinking of um, Blackburn at home. That's it, Blackburn it's, at it's home. McGoldrick, yeah. Yeah, McGoldrick, um, yeah. Yeah, the the assist away at Derby is is you can see. Um, me and my brother were there, and we're we're quite close to the front, and you can see both of us like as everyone was stood up. And the second that Fleck passes it, both of us immediately put our hands on our head, like, no, why have you not shot? And then yeah. a fraction of a second later, you realise Basham's steaming in. And yeah, good enough for the Premier League, yes, no, maybe? Yes, with a question mark. I've also um, for yes. The question mark is over the fact that he sometimes goes missing. He can't go missing next year. He can't yeah. do that. We've all had this, it's happened again. John Fleck is better in the second half of the season. It mm-hmm. is. Statistically, it has happened. I think, I think it took a little longer to get going this year, but it is still true. Agreed. It took a little bit longer. I don't think he was good. At, sorry, I don't think he was good. I don't think he was great until the final third. So again, sometimes you don't see what's happening in front of your eyes. You look at the data over the last three months, and Fleck has progressively been more involved. He's had more touches per game than Norwood. He's had more passes per game than Norwood. When we go through Fleck more often than not, he's the best player on the pitch or one of them. Mm. So perhaps it's unfair because Ollie has a lot of the play to, to label it at Fleck. But I do think sometimes he goes hiding. Um, yeah. I do think sometimes he does easy things or doesn't make hard yards. And it, everyone's got up low levels, but especially in the centre midfield, if we want to go anywhere near our style and setup of this year, uh, the midfield have to dominate because that they need to get on the ball to allow others to push up. Indeed, and, Tw- twenty-seven as well. So he's entering the prime. You would think of his I, career. So still has some room for improvement. And you would assume because we rejected the West Ham bid in, in January, I think that was pretty official, so it was definitely a thing. Um, yeah. He's going to want to go and prove himself in this league now. It's his last mm-hmm. chance, isn't it? So he needs to go and kick on and do something and just hopefully turn down any Scotland call-up that comes his way. <laughs> Good point. All right, the, I think this is the last of the midfielders. Uh, it is, of course, Mark Duffy. What have you gone for? Uh, I went for an eight on Duffers. Oh, OK. I went for a nine. Go on. I, I can't mark him any less than Fleck because I think Duffy's been probably done myself here I think Duffy's been fle- better than Fleck but I'm not sure he's been quite a nine just mm. to follow my nines my nines so we've gone for Johnny as a nine Bashman's uh, a, a nine I don't think Duffy has been impact- as impactful for them because he's not had the minutes to be so mm. um, but I-, I do think he has been as per normal outstanding he's one of my favourite players of this wild of rain I love him I love his football it's quality uh, we do we've tried to replace him and failed miserably Mm. Um, in the bed one burn we tried with Dowell and got a very good young player but still not a Mark Duffy replacement that goes to show how good he is these kids are at big Premier League clubs and they're, they're not on the level of Mark Duffy no quite um, so I think I think I controversially gave him seven last season and I'm pretty sure some people give me some a bit of abuse for that um, that was quite controversial because he was definitely he was nine last year 
See, I I like the output this year. Six goals. I think he only had maybe three last year. He was, yeah, that's true. That's and true. And he was like, and you know, different kinds of goals as well. You know, the strike from outside the area had a couple where, you know, nice sort of uh, like bombing into the box and finishing at Rotherham and Wigan, I believe. So, yeah, and, and absolutely, you know, in, in the crunch time of the season when, you know, the pressure was on, if you listen to Leeds, you know, he, he really stepped up when we needed him and was probably one of our better performers in those last three or four games, I think. So, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable with a nine, but I can see why you've gone for an eight. Uh, best moment for you? Uh, it would have to be the Forest goal. Again, I, I know Reese Bias comes into this, but the Rotherham goal was brilliant. Um, and there was some other brilliant assists. I mean, uh, you think early on in the season, those Millwall assists were brilliant. Oh, yeah. The team goals, you know, the way we just, I mean, the, the Magology one was, was was crisp in the 93rd minute to just pass, 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 and then rock one across the box. But the sharp assist, and then he, t- he changed the game against Norwich away as well. I can't yeah. speak about that game highly enough because I honestly think that they were the best team in the league by a mile. And for us to go there and get a 2-2 draw was astonishing. We brought yeah. Duffers on with about 30 minutes to go, and, and Norwich had no clue. Absolutely <laughs> no idea what to do with him. Uh, he was brilliant. That's I think a good he, one. He destroyed Wednesday at home as well for the first 20 minutes. They had no idea where to pick up Duffy or McGoldrick. So some great moments, but I'd have to go for the Forest goal because that was a big goal. It was. I liked the goal against Villa at home in the yeah. uh, September game where I think he just left, basically left McGinn on his backside, I think it was, and then just yeah. bombed forward and crashed it in from 20 yards. But good enough for the Premier League. I'm going to say yes. I think technically it's fantastic. Obviously, there's questions over your fitness. He's 33 years old now. You know, we, we kept him to just under 2,500 minutes this year, and I would be surprised if he plays that many next season I certainly don't think he'll play anymore but as a valuable member of the squad who is going to start games I think it's a yes I'm going to so this very quickly because I know we're trying to be quick someone asked us uh, Den Blades Den Blades did it brilliant actually brilliant little game Pre- kind of predict some things next year for the player awards so we're not saying we're going to do that but I've, I've got a little prediction about Mark Duffy I predict we will start the season without Mark Duffy in the team um, because we will sign some players in that area I mm. predict that by about November, Mark Duffy will be back in the team. Not because we're mm. struggling, but because I think we will be okay in this league. I genuinely mm. do. I think we'll be very good at home in this league. And I think we'll find that Premier League teams actually get pinned back by this system. And that will mean that Mark Duffy can indeed play. I think Bring the, it on. The only question mark I have over Duffers is the ability to transition and, and in space, basically, because he's athletically just not there. He just doesn't have the speed or fitness or, or physicality to do it. He presses well in terms of his knowledge, but he's footballing brain. But he can't he can't run with the Premier League guys. And if we have to start playing counter attacks or in transition, he 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 can't be on that pitch. No, and that's Fair. from me. He was the biggest Mark Duffy fan. But I honestly think if we can pin teams back. You will not find many better than Duffers. Yeah, agreed. All right, moving on to the strikers. Let's let's check off the. Uh, well, lesser contributors, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Connor Washington, uh, I'm going to go for a four out of ten. How about you? Five. Um, middling for me. Did, didn't do anything, really. Brentford away was good. Hit the bar. Yeah. Tried tried hard, ran a lot. I can't really give him less than five because that seems harsh to give him less than 50% when he predominantly came on for the last five minutes and ran. Yeah, maybe I've gone a little bit harsh. He played less than 300 minutes. Uh, he started the game, he started three games. I think Birmingham at home. Oh, I remember why I've gone low. 
He was terrible in the game that he started against Birmingham. He was absolutely atrocious against Barnet, although admittedly everybody was. And uh, yeah, that, that was a bit of a red flag, I think. Um, but he was very, very good at Brentford. I mean, I would have, I would have liked to have seen him get a goal. I mean, it barely... I think he had a really good chance at Blackburn away that he fluffed, but barely had a chance. There barely had a chance, 300 yeah. Minutes. But yeah, got the assist for the winner at Brentford. That was his best moment for me. I think it's probably hard to think of much else as well. Uh, good enough for the Premier League is uh, a, a definite no. But I would suggest that uh, a League One team takes a look at him on a free transfer. And um, I think Ipswich may well do that from what I've seen of uh, various tweets because I still follow all the... Uh, Ipswich podcast people so yeah that would probably be a good fit for him I think yeah a hard worker seems a good lad behind the scenes never kicked up a force always done a job fair play to him Thank, thanks for his contributions yeah Leon Clark uh, I mean it's hard to mark Clarky for us because it seems so long ago but I would probably have to give him a, a six okay. I, I, maybe a five probably a five actually um, really? see I went with a seven I mean he played almost a thousand minutes three goals three assists it's pretty decent. Yeah, I mean the winner at Brentford was good. Some some big goals as well in Derby. Yeah, final goal against Derby. Yeah, uh, one against Stoke. What I would what I would say about Leon is the reason my mark was. I'll stick with six because I said it originally. The reason my mark yeah. is six and he's below that seven is because there's a reason that he's not at the club anymore, and it's because he yeah. wasn't he wasn't contributing anything like last season. He he, yeah. he did. I wouldn't say he missed big chances, but he had missed some chances and he wasn't doing the same things. He wasn't holding the ball up as much. He wasn't impactful. And that that's why we moved on. Um, yeah, and- that's fair. And why we why we are moving on is on the transfer list now. He's, he's 34 years old. He wants to play football. Uh, is, is good enough for the Premier League is a no. It would, To be honest, it probably would have been a no last season as well, even with his brilliant season. But yeah, nothing but fond memories of the guy. And I hope, he, uh, hope somebody, oh, somebody yeah. decent picks him up. Yeah, another one. I'm just a legend at the lane now, isn't he, Leon? Um, yeah. We'll always Best have moment, is it going to be his uh, assist for Wigan <laughs> against Leeds? Yeah. That's to diminish his actual goals. No, he got it, I suppose, the Derby goal. I, I yeah. the, the Brent, they're probably the Brentford winner. Yeah, that's that's. that's if, if our best moments are this season alone, because we also yeah. we know what Leon's best moment would be. But if we're doing that, you know, that overall, then yeah, I, I would say probably the, the Brentford winner. Because actually, at that time, I I wasn't sure we could go away to Brentford and win. Um, yeah. I know they just just changed manager, but they're, they're still a bloody good side. We were we were on a little bit of a bad run at that point. It we might were have been... on a bit of a sticky one, and obviously we we they pegged us back in the game. And, and if anything, they yeah. I'm not saying they were on top because we were in complete control of that game in a weird kind of way. Um, but yeah, just, just just to go and win it. And it was basically his first kick of the game. Um, yeah. He had the header, didn't he? Just before it, which he should have scored from maybe. Oh God, yeah. The reflect cross. And then, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's probably why he's not here no more because he does miss the odd big chance. But yeah, I, I, like, I like Leon. Um, and I, I yeah, the, the assist for Wigan was just beautiful. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, two more loanees who are no longer with the club uh, return to the parent clubs. Uh, or at least no longer with the club right now. You never know what the future holds, I suppose. Scott Hogan. Uh, I've got a six out of ten. Yeah, yeah. Again, you have to you have to make them relative, don't you? So it's all right. You know, Scott Hogan probably deserves a seven, but you've given players sevens who's more impactful than Scotty Hogan. So yeah, yeah. I, I, the reason I say that is I don't think he did anything wrong. No, I, I, me I just think his chances were so limited in terms of minutes that we didn't really see him. 
Yeah, he played 435 minutes, which for context is like one full game more than Connor Washington. So what? not very much at all. Only five starts. Uh, excuse me. Yeah, five starts. Two goals and, a, and an assist. It's, it's a fairly decent very return. good return. Yeah. It's very I good. I think so. And, and, you know, the Ipswich one, oh, they were against Ipswich and Reading, you know, so there is that. But the Ipswich one was, was massive. You know, the time of that goal because we were absolutely dominating. If we don't score there and we go in half time nil nil, maybe nerves kick in. So yeah. yeah, yeah. Six I think six is fair enough. Yeah. Ipswich and Bristol City his goals were against, but he did start against Reading as well. Sorry. And was pretty unlucky in that one actually. Um he had some good chances. Uh a goal versus Ipswich has to be the Moretti moment, I think, you know. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Goal that sent us on our way. Uh good enough for the Premier League I've got for maybe, because I honestly don't know. I mean I could see him playing for like a Bournemouth or someone like that, you know, a team that like, yeah, just is, is going to create chances for him. Maybe even a team like us. He's still 27. Obviously has a bit of a rocky injury history. I wouldn't want to spend very much money on him at all. And obviously he's on a fair old whack at Villa, but it's a maybe from here, like a question mark. I don't know if he would be good enough for the Premier League or not. No. So no. I think a no. I, I Probably horrible to say at 27, but... If he ain't gone there now, probably not. But I can, see, I can see what you're saying. He's a penalty box predator. He moves well in the penalty box and he's clearly a decent finisher. So in the right team, he probably would get, yeah, he probably would get some goals. But I, I, I just don't see it. Mate. I just don't yeah. see it. Fair dues. All right. Uh, Gary Medine, the the washing machine turned goal machine. Go on, uh, I've, I've got seven out of ten. Uh, I thought it was... I think he did quite well. I think his his take on it when asked was that he'd been... I don't know what his exact words were, but he, he, he expressed some disappointment with his performance with us, I think. But I thought it was all right. He played 653 minutes. What's that? Just over seven complete games. Three goals, two assists. That's a pretty decent contribution. I'd, I'd knock him down a little for the red card against Brentford because that was probably the stupidest moment of the season. We, we didn't have an award for that, but I think that's what it would be. But, you know, he... He gave us something we didn't have, and uh, that was very important in certain games. Uh, Borough at home is the obvious one. We really missed him against Bristol City, I thought, in that home defeat. Um, and yeah, chipped in with some goals, uh, with some assists, as I said. He, he looked instantly looked the part with Sharp, I thought, as a, a strike partner. Did very well away at um, Aston Villa, and indeed some people were, were saying, oh, you know, as soon as he went off, that's when it all kind of collapsed. But yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was good. Uh, good but not great but 7 out of 10 is, is pretty decent yeah I, I had a 7 um, and I could have gone higher the only mm. reason I didn't is because I've given certain players not an 8 as well so I've tried to keep it balanced but let's put it this way so away from my own perspective when we talk about signings now and that's all we are going to talk about for the summer <laughs> a lot of United fans are saying no, 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 not good enough yet they are the same United fans and I'm one of them almost I'm the same United fan that was Every time Gary Medin wasn't available for us, mm. I was screaming that Gary Medin would have made the difference. It was a little bit cold sweat whenever he was, uh, yeah, during those those games he was suspended, definitely. So what does that really tell you about him in terms of impact for us? I think that tells us that he's probably a hell of a lot more important than what we think. Mm. Um, I, I think we will go back for Gaz. I, I just have a sneaky fear. I think we'll, we'll look at the market first. I think we'll look mm. at what Cardiff want. Cardiff might want to keep him. He's a perfectly good player in the championship, has proven. Um, Six million for him. I, yeah, but no, I'm not sure that's a thing. I'm not sure that's real. I'm not sure that's a thing. I think they signed him for six million quid. But if Cardiff need to get rid, and when mm. they went up, by the way, they were well over their wages to turnover ratio. They spent right. big. Um, 
if he is on this magical, mythical 40k a week that Wilder always tells us about, then <laughs> they'll, if they don't want him, they want him off the wage bill. Yeah, I don't think he's written in law that you know, written in a contract that we have to have him for six million quid, because there's no obligation to buy. Has been proven. We've been promoted. People said there's an obligation to buy. Well, there isn't. We've got promoted. He's gone back to Cardiff. Yeah, I never thought that was going to be a thing. No, so the, the, the negotiations are there to be had. If Cardiff want to get rid of his wage bill, there is a deal to be done at less than six million quid. Um, yeah. You know that that's how football works, and you soak up the rest of that contract, and and therefore the transfer fee reflects that. Um, if you could get Gary Medine for three to four million quid, would you go get him? I think so. Yeah, I would because we don't. I mean, for starters. We only have two strikers. This is it. This is exactly right it. We, we, we'll need to get some more strikers. And for three million, that seems fair. I mean, yeah. So presumably you're good enough for the Premier League is a, is a yes or a maybe, right? It's it's a maybe because he's it's never... It's a maybe for me, yeah. He's never done it. So I don't, I don't know. What I would say is that he's a Premier League defender's nightmare mm. because he is tall. He's quite athletic and he's tall. I don't mean he's pacey, but, you know, he's mobile, isn't he? He, he can move. Yeah. He's not an absolute lump. He's just um, as good. Touch is fantastic. I mean, away at Norwich, which is really his first start, him and Billy had an instant connection. They were looking for each other all the time. And uh, Dare I say, and I can't believe I'm going to, I was watching Fernando Lorente the other night against Ajax. I'm not saying Medine is that level of touch. But in terms of similarity of style, yeah. of style of target man, is it unfair to suggest that Medine could be that? No, I don't think so. And you know, we 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 sort of touched on it last time. The how set, how important set pieces will be to his next season because and, we're not going to have as many chances. And I was talking to someone about this. set pieces is nailed, but a big part of that set pieces now we are going into a league where VAR is coming in. Mm. Gary Medina is the type of striker who defenders at the minute have to pull their his shirt. Oh yes, him because they have to stop him because they physically can't compete with him. Michael He's Hector big. alert. Yeah, Michael Hector. <laughs> we could probably pick six or seven out Middlesbrough especially. But you should have had a penalty. Oh God, yeah. um, if you're saying that VAR's going to come in and VAR has predominantly been shown to, to stop this type of thing at corners and set pieces, then he could be an asset for that. I mean, mm. I'm talking minuscule gains here, but I don't think signing Gary, Gary Medin gets you 10 goals a season. I think he might get mm. five or six over a season, but it's what else he brings. He brings an outball, he brings an option. And if people think that we're going to go and sign all the best in the championship for 10 million quid a player, they're just wrong. <laughs> we need to pick. We need to fill this squad now with some six, seven, eight, nine, ten million pound players, and I think some being two or three maximum, and then yeah. the rest have to be loans, free transfers, or two to three million quid. Which, yep. in my opinion, if Medina's available for four million quid, go sign him. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, right, we have two players left. Uh, let's let's do uh, let's do Didzy. Um, go on. What, what did you give for him? Controversial alert. Nine. I, I was going there, but I went with 10. So, go on. Talk to me. Pure statistics. And the reason he's a nine is, spoiler alert, Billy Sharp isn't. Um, <laughs> pure statistics as a striker, I know he's more than that. We speak about it every week. He's out of the out of the top. So I just tweeted something out of the top thirty non-penalty goal scorers in the championship. So you take out penalties because penalties are yeah, you know anyone could. Millie Yednak from Crystal Palace has got ten goals and they're all penalties. You know, <laughs> it's not from open play. You know, it doesn't affect anything in terms of like yeah, yeah. goals. He, he's in the top thirty, right? So obviously, because he, he, I think he got four penalty goals. 
So he, he scores 11 or 12 uh, goals mm. this season. Not penalties. Three. Three penalty goals. Three, I think, yeah. So he gets 12 non-penalty goals. And his expected goals was from non-penalty situations was a lot higher. Mm. Which was their missed chances we spoke about, all those blocked or saved chances. So I can't, I can't quite give him a 10 because for a period of this season, he wasn't what he is now. Yeah. I, I think we're judging this on a season as a whole and I can't give him a 10 because he wasn't quite what he is now. If it was on the last three months alone, I'd give him 20. <laughs> it's been utterly astonishing. Finishing, link up, pressing. Just, he's probably been the most important player in the team. Well, um, this is why I've gone for a 10 not to railroad in there. Is yes. Even though, yeah, as you say, he has underperformed. Despite scoring 15 goals, he has underperformed his chances. Uh, he offers so much more than just goals and is, as yes. you say, probably the most important player in the team. So... I, I I completely see where you're coming from, and I was thinking a nine initially as well. But I was like, those missed chances versus all the link up play, the hold up play, four assists as well. I think I just had to give him a ten out of ten. I think he's just he's just dynamite, and yeah, managed managed to get forty five appearances out of him as well, thirty six starts. That's astonishing. At age thirty one, you know, real injury problems in his recent history. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. That's my God, Matt Prestridge. What do you do? I mean, yeah. it's not just Matt Prestes, by the way. Sheffield United put a job out today for a data scientist in their phys- basically in their physical departments, recording mm. all the peak performance indicators for running. And you know, I could break it down further, but I won't go that anal. It goes to show what goes on behind the scenes. We're we're not just a passion club, put it that way. Um, mm. I I almost regret saying nine because I love him. You know, I love him. We speak about him all the time privately. He's off pretty much our favourite player. Um, I adore him. I yeah. I, I, don't don't worry. That's why we're having an average. So it comes out as nine and a half. So that's pretty good. Um, good enough for the Premier League. Yeah, I think he'll be the first name on the team sheet. Quite frankly, yeah. from O'Connell and Egan. I think he's. I, I think he's good enough. I, I don't think technically there's a, even a question mark there. He's definitely yeah. good enough. The question mark was only ever over his fitness, and he's proven that bar none. If anything, with the yeah. preseason with us, again, he might even get fitter. That is true. He came in uh, came in sort of midway through the friendlies, didn't he this year? And just quickly on that as well, I actually think if you hear read about him and his record of injury, a lot of it was muscle injuries and it was muscle fatigue type injuries. Hmm. It was an impact as such, which makes it a little bit better, I believe, from sports scientists I know. Um, hmm. And also, there was a the whole thing about driving to Ipswich, even though he lived in Nottingham every day. So it was strain from sitting down on basically a lot. But I don't think he's got a lot of miles on the clock for that reason. Hmm. He, he's never really had that many appearances per season. And because of that reason, he might well have quite an Indian summer in his career. Hopefully. I'm just going to look up his career stats while you tell me what his best moment of the season was. How long have you got? Uh, <laughs> just pick one. <laughs> it'd, have to, it'd probably have to be the whole goal, the, the strike from distance. Yeah, that's um, what I went for. But I could pick the, the pass against Ipswich because it was poor. Um, yep. I, yeah, I could pick anything that David McGoldrick does on a daily basis. Where, where was the... oh? The Derby lob was the other one. The Derby lob. What was the other goal? Ah, it's going to kill me. This one at home. Uh, David McGoldrick in the cut. Co- oh no! So it was. Was it leads away where he sets Bash away? Where he's in the corner and he he basically comes mm. out. Of, where was that? Was at home, wasn't it? Where he comes out the corner. The ball's on the left hand side and he comes out the corner. He's turned about three players and then sets it away on the right. And we score from that occasion. Who was that again? Astonishingly, I can't remember. I, 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 we're this such is a, a blade spot first. 
We are such a bad podcast team. Somebody, somebody, tell me on Twitter if you know what on earth he's on about. Just, uh, just tweet us. I'm not, I'm not just imagining this, am I? There was a time where the ball was in the left hand kind of half space channel. McGoldrick brings it down with a great touch, kind of. Oh, just... swings it out to the far wing. Yes, and we scored from it, right? Yeah. Uh, was it? Did he end up scoring? Was it QPR at home? Yes, it may well have been. Yeah, I, I think it was. Yeah, he, he ends up getting on the header, end of it with a header. And that was stunning. Like, you don't remember that because probably if it was QPR, that makes sense because it's like we beat QPR. What's the, yeah, probably the blandest team in the league this year, I'd say. Yeah, pretty much. Like, what's important about that other than the three points? But actually, yeah, you know, just the moment he literally makes goals for himself at that point. That's how good he is. But yeah, yeah definitely. It, it'd have to be the whole goal just because, yeah, everyone loves a right. lot of so just, just quickly before we move on to the final player, in terms of usage, we're talking about Indian summer. So David McGoldrick has played 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. Uh, 14 seasons is career now. Uh, do you know how many times... So he played 45 games for us this season. Do you know how many times in those 14 seasons he has played as many times as that? I would say not. One. He went. He played every game for Southampton in 2008-09, so 11 years ago. So <laughs> a long time. It, so yeah, just running through his recent seasons: 22, 30, 24, 26, 31, 13, 22. Yeah, if, you're right. Not much miles. No, I, I, you know, sometimes I'm right. You know, um, it's just <laughs> if you think it's a muscle fatigue injury, I don't want to get too anal about it, but it, you know, it's not. It's not a snap. It's not a break. It's not. An, it's not an ACL or an MCL or anything like that. It's just strain, basically. It's just yeah. fatigue on the muscle because he obviously didn't look after himself right in terms of his preparation with driving and whatnot. But if you think about that, that's that you, so you take away that driving, you take away he's probably a bit healthier, he's more experienced, so he knows how to handle his body as well. Um, dare I say, I think our sports science team is probably better. Yeah, I, I think so. It clearly is because we're, we're able to do un, un, par, unparalleled things with all the players at the minute. Yeah. Um, I genuinely think there's two years of peak David McGoldrick left, even though he's coming up to 32 next. I think there's two peak years yet left of McGoldrick. I think this could be the best McGoldrick of his career, bar none. Excellent. Something to take into the Premier League. Definitely. Uh, That was also the first time he'd scored 15 goals uh, in a season in his career, apart from one season in League One with Coventry in 2012-13. Which was his best, wasn't it, or something like that? 14, six years ago, yeah. So, yeah, there's going to be a lot in that, I think. Um, right, final one. We've saved the best for last, of course. We couldn't do it any other way. Uh, Billy Sharp, I mean, presumably it's going to be 10 out of 10 then, yeah? Yeah, it's, yeah. just to wrap this up, I've, there's, there's nothing else to add. The best conversion rate in the league. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I noticed this earlier when I was looking. Uh, he's got 23 goals from 35 shots on target, but I think also it's 23 goals from like 70 shots total. Yeah. And if you look at the list of top scorers, everyone else is like 140, 160 shots. So, I mean, it's just everything we've been saying all season. He is the master at getting a close range chance. The only man to go even close to above over 30% conversion rate. No one else was even close to that. Most headed goals in the league. Mm-hmm. Four, five, four, eight. Billy Sharp um, says everything about him. Finds space where there shouldn't be any. Every one of his goals, you could imagine seeing on a Sunday by someone bundling it over the line. I love him. <laughs> I absolutely love him. He's yeah. a stunning, astonishing footballer at what he does. He's a throwback, but not in a bad way. He's a throwback to an era where those type of strikers don't exist anymore. 
Um, yeah. and, and you better believe he's definitely good enough for the Premier League because his game won't change. No, I think so. Uh, four assists as well. Got 3,000 minutes out of him. So we managed him quite carefully, this, I think. This, um, this this season, and again, it's like about Indian Summers, this season for me has been the best Billy Sharp I've ever seen. That's, yeah, that's what I said on the last podcast, I think. You know, I think he's, he's, he's better than he was in League One. I know he's got more goals in League One, but obviously the standard of opposition is better. Uh, it's two years further into his career. He's 33 now, yep. Um, also eighth in the championship among all strikers for chances created per 90 yeah. as well, yeah. which is not something you associate with him. You associate him with, you know, the predator that doesn't touch the ball unless it's like knocking it in from six yards, but very heavily involved he's- in chance creation. He, he he is he is another one that has, the system has made him better, not just because we created his type of chances, but also because the system has has made him have to become better. He, he's had to become a better back to goal player. He's always been yeah. good at shuffling. You know, he's he's got his big wide backside, hasn't he? he you know, <laughs> he's always been good at barreling and, and and shielding the ball and twisting and turning. He's always been good at that. Mm. What he's got better at is he's got better at controlling the ball in the final third, moving the ball, recycling the ball, setting up you know layoffs for shots and things. He's got he gets involved in the build up now. He used to run away from it and get in the box ready for the cross. Mm. Now he can happily come and get involved in the build up and let someone else go like Didzi or Medine or or whoever it's going to be next season. It's he's evolving and that cannot be underestimated at his age. That players yeah. sometimes just stick with what they've got. Listen, if Glenn Murray, Glenn Murray has got in his two Premier League seasons since Brighton have gone back up, Glenn Murray has got twelve and twelve, I believe. Um, yeah, in two seasons, Billy Sharp is is absolutely fine to go in the Premier League and get 10, 10 goals. Yeah, I would not be remotely shocked, and I can't wait to see him playing and uh, starting the Premier League as well, mate. We did it. We went through the entire squad. We gave. Uh, four players got maximum 10 out of 10 which was Norwood, Stevens, O'Connell and Sharp with McGoldrick very closely behind on 9.5 great effort my friend That was this is a, a beast of a podcast and uh, I think this is you know I said what well, we said after with the last one that was my favourite one but I've, I've had a blast doing this even if it's you know getting a bit late in the evening I'm going to need to uh, finish soon because I'm going to need a bathroom break I've been done this so long and had a cup of coffee beforehand but um, yeah great effort by both of us I think and uh, yeah just just quickly before we finish so it's Friday night uh, spoiler alert I'm not going to edit this tonight I'm going to go and uh, chill out for a bit and I will put it out tomorrow afternoon probably but um, so yeah at the risk of being dated Tell me, uh, just very quickly, who wins between Aston Villa and West Brom uh, to go through? Not not just the single game. Who goes through? Aston Villa. And who goes through between Leeds and Derby? Leeds. And who wins the playoff final? Aston Villa. I was with you all the way up to there. I, I, think, I still think Leeds. Uh, I, I think possibly having Bamford out will actually help them. The sheer volume of chances they create, they're right. surely going to win these games. And yeah, however, it would be uh, it would be kind of funny if they didn't. <laughs> and Leeds Villa would be quite a tasty final, I think. I would, have, yeah, I assume so. Nah, go 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 for Villa. The Jack Grealish effect. He'll he'll go and take over that final. Yeah, that would be uh, that would be awesome to see. All right, mate. Uh, thanks so much for giving up all your time. It's uh, it's been a fun one. I'm it, gonna I'm gonna enjoy listening back to this one. I think it's been a fun one. If you're still listening to this at the end, by the way, bloody well, well done. Because not even my listeners could listen to me for an hour and a half. So well done. <laughs> yep, indeed. Uh, it's quite appropriate, really, that at ten o'clock at night, most people are probably asleep. So that's probably a good place to end the podcast as well, I suppose. <laughs> good, point. good point. All right, buddy. I'll uh, I'll catch up with you later. Thanks very much. See you later, mate. Cheers, mate. Bye bye. Bye.